Good afternoon and welcome to the City View podcast. Me, Andy Sylvester, the editor of City AM. In a few minutes, we'll be joined again by the Ace Victoria Scholar from Interactive Investor. We'll whistle through some corporate highlights of the week so far. But first, as ever, some headlines and households are leaning on their credit cards for support as more and more consumer credit borrowing has grown at the fastest annual pace in two years. The annual growth rate for all consumer credit accelerated to 4.4% in February, up from 3.2% in January, according to Bank of England figures released this morning. It's a sign of the times as the cost of living crisis and inflation starts to bite. It's the highest annual growth rate since February 2020, the month before the first UK pandemic started uh, as people began to stockpile. Consumer credit includes forms of borrowing such as credit cards, overdrafts, personal loans and car dealership finance. Elsewhere, iron brew maker AG Bar has revealed that current trading is well ahead of last year on the back of surging demand for cocktails of all things. As it warned, like everybody else in business, it's facing significant inflationary pressure. The company, which also owns the Funkin cocktail brand, saw shares lift higher on Tuesday after it posted a rebound in profits for the past year. Pre-tax profits jumped by 62% to $42 million. The Scottish business said it saw costs, however, soar by 25% over the year as logistics expenses in particular rose. But it did see margins improve on the back of increased sales volumes. We will keep hearing those words, cost increases, for some time. Speaking of something you're going to be hearing about for a while, the ongoing row between the government and P&O continues to rumble. On. P&O said this morning that they can't rehire the 800 seafarers it made redundant earlier this month without risking what its boss, Peter Hebblethwaite, called a financial collapse. That was in response to a letter from Grant Shapps, the Transport Secretary, calling on Hebblethwaite to re-employ the workers. The circumstances which led P&O ferries to make the decision in the first place still apply, Hebblethwaite said. Complying with your request, he said to Shapps, would deliberately cause the company's collapse, resulting in the irretrievable loss of an additional 2002 hundred jobs. I cannot imagine that you would wish to compel an employer to bring about its own downfall. Hevelthwaite said he was forced to slash the 800 jobs last week via a pre-recorded video call as the business was reporting a £100 million loss year on year. Let's bring in Victoria Scholar, Head of Investment at Interactive Investor. Victoria, great to have you join us again. Thank you so much for having me back. Uh, pleasure. Um, why don't we start with Barclays, who are having... A week to forget, I think it's fair to say, and it's only Tuesday. Um, yesterday, the news <laughs> broke that somehow or other, um, the US arm had oversold securities by a cool 15 billion US dollars, um, giving the mm. bank an expected 450 million pound hit. Um, mm. News started to filter out last night that we might be seeing a bit of a share sell off as well. And that has come to fruition today. Yeah, and I think the big thing is that we're learning that an unnamed top investor is offloading a significant stake in the company in light of the news uh, that you were talking about there that's going to lead to that £450 million loss. So essentially that block trade doesn't create much confidence when it comes to uh, the outlook for Barclays. And it is a considerable setback given that uh, it has got a new CEO who Mm. was... Uh, anticipated to provide a clean slate after a messy exit from its previous CEO, Jed Staley. Um, and, you know, Barclays and other banks have been doing well lately and very much in favour among investors, uh, given the rising race environment and the inflationary backdrop and the sort of reflation um, economic backdrop. 
So um, it was a good time for the sector broadly, but this is a considerable step back for Barclays in particular. Yeah, as you say, uh, Venkat, the new CEO, um, who whenever yeah, I, I wasn't going to try and pronounce. Yeah, <laughs> whenever I call him that, I make it, it makes me feel like he's a superhero of some kind. He's going to have to be a superhero <laughs> to um, <laughs> to put Jess Daly's um, sort of time at the bank mm. in the rearview mirror. As you say, this isn't you know a fundamentally. You know, no one likes to lose half a billion quid, but it's not a massive hit, as you say. The bank have been doing well for a while, but it's more about just the bank seems to keep finding the wrong headlines. Yeah, I mean, and it's a similar story for Credit Suisse. We keep learning about uh, these sort of negative headlines that are weighing on uh, these stocks. But I mean, it was interesting to see because we'd learned a couple of weeks ago that Barclays had unexpectedly cancelled access to two of these products, the VXX and OIL, oil, mm. um, which basically mimic the performance of the VIX volatility index and crude oil prices, both of which have been extremely popular lately, obviously center stage among um, the war in Ukraine with volatility a lot higher than normal and a lot of volatility in the oil markets as well. So now at least we understand what's going on there. Yeah, indeed. Um, sunlight being the best disinfectant and all. Um, but it <laughs> certainly it certainly is is not ideal and certainly another headache. Yeah. Another household name that might be having a headache is is Asda, which as of last evening um, appears set to be embroiled in some sort of legal row with Waitrose. Now, Asda have launched a Just Essentials brand um, to replace Smart Price. That the Waitrose is saying will confuse punters who are used to Waitrose's essential value brand. I would like to, one wag pointed out on Twitter, um, I'd like to be the lawyer that persuaded somebody that they were looking for a Waitrose but accidentally wandered into an Asda and didn't notice. But um, <laughs> in the wider grocer sector, news today um, out of Kantar, the, uh, the, sort of the, the, the one we all go to on this, in this particular industry. Yeah, and um, essentially what the data um, showed us is that it's all about price because we saw that Tesco and Aldi and Lidl have been performing very, very well, gaining market share, while Sainsbury's and Morrison's and Asda have actually been losing market share. And we've seen UK grocery consumers turning more to the discounters as well as own label products into what you were saying there about um, Asda. But I think essentially the data really highlights that as the cost of living crisis grows, price is becoming more critical than ever. And it's really playing into the hands of those discounters like Aldi and Lidl, um, when other supermarkets may be struggling to keep up. And the data also showed us that grocery price inflation is now at 5.2%, which is the highest level since April of 2012, although it is below the official inflation figure. And many people might say that actually a lot of products are going up a lot faster than that. Mm. Um, but the difficulty that supermarket really, supermarkets really have is that they're facing rising cost pressures, but there's not much wiggle room there to pass those on to consumers because of this price sensitivity. Mm. So they're going to be forced to have to accept uh, lower margins in order to remain competitive. Yeah, I was also talking to somebody at a grocer last week, I think, um, who was saying that even if they felt they could pass um, these mm. cost increases onto consumers. 
in a competitive environment and keep market share and, and not lose it to Aldi or Little, whoever it might be. Um, they're also worried about a level of political blowback because if they're seen to be hiking prices at a time when things are getting pretty tight elsewhere, um, yeah. they'll inevitably become the targets of Daily Mirror front pages or the Sun front pages mm -hmm. or politicians in the House of Commons. So they're really stuck between a bit of a rock and a hard place. And, you know, it'll be the suppliers in many ways that feel the pain of that. So if supermarkets can't move what they're paying, um, you, one would assume their sheer market size, their sheer scale will end up pushing some of those um, pinch points lower down the supply chain. Let's um, let's move off fast-moving consumer goods to consumer goods that are probably not fast-moving, but we'd all rather like one, which is mulberry. Um, mm. Pretty positive trading update this morning, considering you know, everything, for want of a better phrase. Mm. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's been a very difficult time, obviously, during the pandemic for the fashion brands. Um, but it looks as though Mulberry is coming out the other side pretty strong. It's forecasting that its full year 2022 revenue and profits will come in moderately ahead of its current expectations. And it's seen strong trends in the first six months to September, which could pave the way for more strength in the final half of the year. Now, it's been spending on marketing and advertising, um, which, of course, may potentially knock a bit of profits, but that could be offset by higher sales because, um, really, marketing and ad spend is absolutely critical when it comes to trying to attract these fashionistas. It's a very fickle industry, mm. very, very fast-moving, and it's got to stay ahead of the game. Uh, one advantage for luxury brands, though, unlike the supermarkets, is that they do actually have the benefit of being able to pass on some of these inflationary costs to consumers because these high-end customers are a lot less price sensitive. So we could potentially see higher prices without that significantly uh, dampening demand if it is the brand to have. And that's where that marketing has been becomes so important. Yeah, indeed. It's a funny old game, that one at that high end. Mm. Just before you go, Victoria, let's just briefly touch yeah. on Tesla and Elon Musk. He's never far out of the headlines. We've had the <laughs> usual attention-grabbing stuff today. Allegedly, he's plotting his own social media platform today. Um, we also saw Tesla shutting down production in Shanghai for four days amid the lockdown there. But it's news of a stock split that might give retail investors uh, something to celebrate. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's constantly in the headlines, both Tesla and Elon Musk, a different story every day. But the focus in terms of its share price, at least, is this stock split, which sent its shares up by about 8% on Monday. Um, Tesla has already done a stock split in August of 2020, and it's asking its shareholders for permission to carry out a second. Now, Tesla's shares have recently gone back into quadruple digits. It's trading above $1,000 a share. So to make that a lot cheaper, clearly is a welcome development for retail investors, many of which may have been priced out. But it's also a win for Tesla as well, because it's going to potentially expand its pool of potential uh, investors who might like to be part of this irreversible shift towards electric vehicles and that trend. Yeah, it's going to be one to watch. I mean, Tesla, as I say, never mm. far from the headlines at the moment. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Victoria, let's leave it there. A whistle-stop tour of corporate news. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Brilliant. That was Victoria Scholar, the head of investment at Interactive Investor. That's all from us at this City View podcast today on this Tuesday afternoon. We'll be back tomorrow with more news, views and analysis of everything that's going on in the world of British business. Hold up. 